Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, episode 35. I'm Tiernan Duyeb and after many calls for proof of my age, I would like to say that despite my beard, crow's feet around my eyes and an inability to stop sighing at people being idiots, I am actually only 35 and a half, so ha, take that cynics. Yeah, a weekly podcast and a comedian's life on the road can really take it out of you. Often it is hard to work out what Britain is best known for. Is it the two world wars and one world cup that prove that since the 60s we've been pretty useless? Is it our tea, jam and biscuits that Andrea Leadsom thinks that by exporting will restore the British economy back to its brilliant levels? Well, no, especially as all our tea is imported from elsewhere in the first place, all the fruit for the jam will have to be exported too once we lose all the EU workers who pick our fruit. And really, have you tried travelling with biscuits? They just make your bag full of crumbs. So no, it's not that. In fact, I'll tell you what it is. What Britain is great at is pointless xenophobia and shameless hypocrisy. Sure, America are really neck and neck with us on this, but this week we really showed our strength at first-class bigotry as the UK allowed the first group of child refugees in from Calais and photos printed by the Telegraph of them showed that they looked like young adults rather than tiny tots wearing nappies and sucking their thumbs. I mean, who'd have thought that escaping a war zone, travelling across the sea and then living in a makeshift camp for months wouldn't be great for your complexion? I know, there goes Gwyneth Paltrow's new fad. This, of course, enraged the tabloid press and several politicians as we can't be letting in older children, can we? I mean, how on earth can we have compassion and empathy for those that have escaped a war zone if they already shave and might have their own opinions so they can't be brainwashed into becoming a proper Brit and hating other immigrants like their relatives who are still stuck in France? I mean, considering how much the government hate young people already, why would they want any more over here? More young people not able to afford university fees, more young people that would have to struggle to survive in a non-paid apprentice scheme as there's no real work for them. Then, of course, it's only a matter of time before those young people become adults and then, God forbid, they might contribute to society which would ruin all the current narrative, wouldn't it? And that'd be awful. Tory MP David Davis, no not that David Davis, the other incompetent awful ignorant Tory one, suggested that as they don't look like children, British hospitality is being abused by those refugees coming over here. You know, that British hospitality we have where you get the Daily Mail as you arrive in the airport, basically saying, welcome, now fuck off again. 
Davis suggested that they should all have a dental check to prove their age, which isn't proved to work. And in fact, dental checks are only accurate within two years of age. So doing that would be pointless. And really, it's pointless anyway. The Home Office says that two-thirds of asylum seekers who claim to be under 18 are in fact older than that. But that's the normal asylum seekers process, not the Calais situation, so it can't really be compared. So actually it's just two thirds of the numbers screened and stats up to September actually show that 85.5% overall of child refugees that were screened were children. Secondly, the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health say that there is no good way to determine someone's age, not even asking if they say know what a cassette is or how to make a noise like a dialing modem. Thirdly, everyone develops differently. I went to school with a Turkish boy called Ufuk, which yes, is a very unfortunate name if you go to a British school. He had full-on facial hair by age 13 and looked much older than that, though to be fair, I guess years of easy teasing about your name will do that to someone. Fourthly, none of this matters because the fact is we should just be caring about refugees of all ages because we have the facilities to take in 85,000 more in this country than we do without it affecting anyone or the economy in any way and they're all human beings who deserve at the very minimum to be treated with decency and a respect for human rights. I mean, you will know that. You listen to this show. You're obviously nice people. Part of the narrative, though, is that if you take adults in, they may be terrorists, which is complete nonsense, because loads of the refugees are fleeing groups like ISIS in the first place, and most terrorist groups use homegrown cells as relying on your operative to do a big terrorist act, but first they've got to make it all the way across the Mediterranean with 200 other people on a lifeboat built for four, and then through several checks in several different countries. I mean, that is a properly shit plan. And this is all discriminatory towards children, who I'm sure really could be just as dangerous as adults if they wanted to be. I've seen the omen. Basically, what I am saying is that David Davis can fuck right off. Especially as he looks like he's just been freshly dug up from a grave, despite being only 46. And of course, all of this chat led to the sun-smearing football pundit Gary Lineker for saying on Twitter that the treatment of refugees was racist. You know, because it is, and he's right. Then more politicians and the paper said that he couldn't be a political activist and a football commentator, and so the BBC should sack him from his job. So there's two things we can take from that. One is that if activism is tweeting a compassionate statement, then thankfully global activism is far more alive and well than we thought, and it's only time before the world is righted again due to millions of people shouting into the online void. I knew it was worth it. And that's not a slur on Lineker. I'm very pleased he did what he did as he has an audience and someone like him showing that empathy and compassion are still a decent human trait is brilliant. Which leads us up to the second thing we can take from this week. Apparently the angry commentators only like it when people say what they think as long as what they think is along the same lines as what the angry commentators think. I mean, case in point, Jeremy Clarkson being sacked for punching a co-worker and previously for making racist remarks. Uh, the campaign then was to help him keep his job at the BBC as freedom of speech is important. Gary Lineker tweets, suddenly the campaign is for him to be sacked as freedom of speech is about helping other people and kindness really doesn't help racists strive towards their dream of walling themselves in and inbreeding until everyone is the colour of Tippex. So here's the thing. By the time you read this, the Calais jungle will have been at least partly, if not fully, evicted. France swears it's relocating many of them to camps all over their country, but the UK has also promised it will take in many more refugee children, with over 200 arriving in just the last few days. All thanks to Lord Dubbs's amendment. I've said it before on this podcast, and I will say it again. I'm very, very pleased Lord Dubbs fights for human rights, but with a name like that, he really should be a crime DJ. So yeah, 
the UK is taking in many more refugee children. And look, they may look like they could eat an ice cream in a hilarious way and it would be a viral cute gif in seconds. Or they could look like they spend far too much time on Snapchat while sitting on your front garden wall smoking cigarettes, even though you've asked them not to. But look, you just don't understand what they're going through. Either way, they're people in need of treating them as people. It's not hard. Unless, of course, if you're David Davis, who struggles to treat anyone as people when it looks like all he really wants to do is eat their brains and satiate his 400-year-old undead corpse. Oh, and BHS CEO and tax-avoiding bastard Philip Green, who always sounds like he's from some shit version of Cluedo, where his character has the alibi that he was offshore and didn't know anything about it when the shit hit the fan. Well, MPs have decided to strip Philip Green of his sir meaning that he's no longer a top man in any way. And he no longer has a knighthood. So yeah, ha 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 ha, his knight will get wet when it rains. Good. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, again, you can hear that I still have my sore throat. I've had this now for so long, I'm sort of just deciding that this is how I talk. Uh, and I reckon it should only be a matter of time before I get some sort of late-night talk show with me and Iggy Pop that will be completely unlistenable in any way. Uh, anyway... Sorry about that. Uh, I am on the Lemsips. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, and again, there seems to be a lot of new listeners on board after last week's show. So if you are one of those, please do send through proof of age and dental records just to check that you are old enough to listen to this. Ah, I joke. Um, what I will say, though, is if you are new, uh, do feel free to go back and listen to some of the older shows. Uh, while my gags pretty much age the second that I finish saying them because the news is a bit too fast, um, loads of the interviews, in fact, pretty much all the interviews back to episode one, are still pretty relevant because, sadly, the world isn't fixed yet. But don't worry, I will keep trying. Uh, if you fancy giving the show a review uh, on iTunes, please do. Uh, a few weeks back, I played a really awful jingle that I thought might spur you on to give some more iTunes reviews, and it did seem to get a few of you to do that. I think mostly on the hope that if you did, I wouldn't play it again. Well, guys, four reviews isn't enough, so here is an awful new jingle to encourage you to review the show. You did this to yourselves. Go to iTunes. Hit the five stars. Write something nice. There you are. Review my show. Review my show. Review my show. Review my show. So there it is. Please get on the case. And please do continue to spread the word about this podcast if you enjoy it. And don't forget, you can drop me a line about, well, anything really, uh, via Bro on Twitter, the Bro Facebook group, or partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com. Uh, a couple of quick things before we get started. Uh, number one, uh, the gig for the amazing charity Help Refugees that I'm running on November the 8th at Conway Hall in Holborn is nearly sold out. So if you do want to get head to Eventbrite and search for Stand Up for Refugees or check out Conway Hall's website at conwayhall.org.uk. Uh, the bill is now Frankie Boyle, Sarah Pascoe, Kerry Gondiman, Dot Brown, Tez Ilias, Jen Rister, Richard Herring and me. So it should be pretty good. Uh, number two, I know I haven't put a video on the Patreon site yet, but I bloody well will do soon. Uh, until then, very huge thanks to the few people who've sponsored, uh, Chris, Nick, Mickey and Sarah Marie. You are all bloody champions. Uh, if the rest of you would like to help with my online gambling and crack addiction... Oh, um, sorry. I, I mean, if the rest of you would like to help sponsor this podcast so I can do more with it, then please head to patreon.com forward slash bro. And lastly, number three, um, I realise I never plug my own mailing list, but my November one is going to go out next week and has all the gigs and other bits and pieces on it that I'm doing. So if you'd like to sign up to that, head to tinanddoyev.co.uk and fill in the mailing list link at the bottom of the page and a bit of me should arrive in your inbox next week. I know, a bit of me, that sounds, sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? Oh, also, I saw I, Daniel Blake on Saturday. Uh, 
If you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. It is uh, moving, very, very powerful. Uh, there is a bit in it that if it doesn't bring you to tears, then you are broken inside. Um, it really portrays just how bleak the UK benefit system is and why the UN had to write a whole report on how our government were breaching the Human Rights Code with the way that it treats people with disabilities and illnesses. You remember that report, right? You know, the one that no one paid attention to and none of the news stations reported on because at the time everything else was broken as well. Anyway, go see the film. It is great. Also, the lead in it, Dave Johns, is absolutely superb. And that really pleases me because he's one hell of an amazing stand-up comedian, has been for many, many years. Um, and in fact, many, many years ago, he hosted a show at the Comedy Store, which uh, was when I did my first ever proper five-minute spot on a proper night there. And uh, that night, I received one of the worst heckles I've still ever got to this day. And I left the stage distraught. And he came on and absolutely destroyed the women that shouted at me. And I'll never forget how brilliant that was. So I'm super pleased he's now in Palm Day or winning films that pack a solid punch on social commentary. Uh, this week's show is guestless. I'm very sorry. Uh, that is due to timing muck-ups and me recording this uh, early on Monday morning before I have to drive all the way to deepest Wales. So there wasn't time to get someone on board. Um, so it is a shorter show and it is all me and my croaky voice this week. Uh, and if that sounds horrific, well, ha! I've already made you hear the new shit reviews jingle, so... You'll have to deal with that. And there will be interviews again next week. So see this as a sort of catch-up bulletin week to tide you over for a few days. Uh, until then, there is, as always, more Brexit fallout, some US election shitstorm updates, and some chat about CETA, the TTIP of Canada. But before all that, here are some things you may have missed. Alan Turing was a famous mathematician who helped win World War II and was thanked by the UK for doing this with a prosecution for homosexual act in 1952 and a chemical castration before he died of cyanide poisoning in 1954. Yeah, that's not quite the military cross, is it? The Turing Bill, named after him and rejected in Parliament this week, aimed to pardon all men living with UK convictions for same-sex offences before the law was changed because, you know, it was stupid and discriminatory. It would have set aside 50,000 convictions, 15,000 of which are for men who are still alive today and still carry a criminal record just for being gay. But the Turing Bill was talked out in Parliament by Conservative MPs. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. For East Surrey, Sam Gimaya, who, despite tweeting earlier in the day that he supported the intentions of the bill, thought that at the time it'd just be better to filibuster the whole thing. Yeah, you can still filibuster a private member's bill just by talking endlessly until the debate time is up, which yes, does make me think that I should be an MP, as I can totally ruin so many government bills without much effort whatsoever, but also, seriously, what year is this? So what's the story, homophobic Tory? Well, while on first accounts it seems like Sam Gamaya is just trying to get a quick boost up the Tory ladder by stomping on more human rights in the way that Theresa May loves so much, and I guess it is that, but also it's a number of other reasons too. Firstly, the Turing Bill was proposed by John Nicholson, an SNP MP, and the government have their own proposed amendment to the Policing and Crimes Bill, which was announced last Thursday, to pardon those who were convicted and have since died. So they didn't want to allow the first SNP bill to pass that would also outdo their similar bill. Only the government's bill doesn't pardon those who are still living, as they say it could lead to some people being cleared of convictions that are still crimes, because they know just how bad the cuts they made to the legal sector are, and they're fully aware it could just mean that a zero-hours intern just chucks out all the records into the bin instead. The argument is, those who've been convicted for, say, sex with someone underage or other serious crimes would now go free. But the Turing Bill's Clause 1 stated that that wouldn't be the case. And really, if the government was serious about dealing with crimes like that, wouldn't they be making sure that the CSA inquiry was actually being run properly in the first place? So ultimately, less Sam Gamaya being some sort of vigilante who bores people for justice, more that this government only seems to see people as human once they've died. This must be why they let David Davis talk an awful lot. Speaking of human rights, do you remember the investigatory powers bill that I interviewed Paul Burnell about way back in episode 12, where we discussed how it would not actually help stop terrorist attacks, and instead it would just infringe on everyone's privacy and make internet companies struggle to provide a decent and cost-effective service? Well, guess what? This week, just hours after the investigatory powers tribunal said that MI5, MI6 and GCHQ had illegally collected data since 2015 without proper safeguards... Labour peers voted with Conservative ones to give new powers to all those sorts of places so that they can do all of that sort of illegal stuff but without being illegal. So now they can all get all of your data for the past 12 months, even though the government suggested it should only be 6 months. I mean, I guess that most of the Lords are so old that they still don't really know what the internet is. Or they're so rich that they have someone else search it for them. The Investigatory Powers Bill isn't fully passed yet, with the third reading in the Lords on October the 31st, which seems apt considering how horrifying it is. And look, worst comes to the worst, if this all goes through, I suggest we write to the Home Office asking if they can let us know what that great webcomic or article or hey, porn site you looked at earlier in the year was, because your browser history can't find it. And eventually, if enough of us do that, I reckon they'll have to reverse it. The Treasury has made a U-turn on allowing pensioners to collect all their existing annuities as a fat cash sum, saying that it is too risky. They say it's because the current market means that those cashing in annuities won't get a decent deal or protection, which is a shame, as I really like the idea of tons of people in their 60s already helping the economy by splashing out on fresh out-the-box Adidas and PlayStation VR sets. Previous surveys say that many pensioners' annuities receive such small weekly incomes that they can't do anything with them, so many will now be disappointed in government U-turn number 678 or something. Still, I guess all those that wanted this probably voted Conservative in 2015 and may not be around to vote for them again in 2020, so what do the government care? 
And if they do pass away before they protest about it, I'm sure, based on the rest of their behaviour this week, that the government will endeavour to listen and honour their views once they're dead. I've only just realised, actually. Is this all some sort of Halloween-themed set of policies? Do you think they'll finally reveal Peter Bone and Michael Howard are vampires this week? Will they relocate Parliament to the Hellmouth? I don't know about you, but I might spend October 31st dressed up as an adult refugee, and that way I know I won't be in danger from any of them, as they'll definitely just leave me alone and ignore me. Brexit fallout! Brexit fallout! Brexit fallout! There we were, all wondering if we fancied a hard Brexit, which is much more inedible and harder to swallow, or a soft Brexit that is quite light and makes movement afterwards easy. And it turns out that actually, Theresa May just really wants a smooth Brexit. Yes, a smooth Brexit. So does that mean any attempts to buffer a disastrous outcome will just slip right off it? Or that it'll generally be more prone to infection, but on the surface it'll seem quite clean? Or like smooth jazz, that it'll just be boring and shit and something that there's never an appropriate time for? No matter how waxed this Brexit is, it's not going to be smooth for some who are clearly stuck on the bit where they missed a bit and it's all gone a bit stubbly. Theresa May has stated that foreign students won't be made exempt from the overall immigration figures as the International Passenger Survey said over 90,000 stay in the UK after their studies. However, many other surveys show this is inaccurate and actually barely 1% of international students stay and most bugger off after their studies as they can now go home and drink everyone under the table, so really, what else do they need in life? Public opinion on international students is actually quite high, surprisingly, with recent Comres polls saying 75% of the public think that the numbers should be the same or higher. And foreign students bring about £8 billion into the economy. Also, take into account non-economic benefits, such as 55 world leaders having been educated at British universities. You know, that's pretty useful for a country that's about to need to make new trade deals with most of the globe. And if we're able to say, hey, remember when we strawpedo then threw up in the union when that Craig David Tribute Act was playing before negotiating some sweet, sweet sums, I reckon that'll work things out. Also, if you take foreign students out of the immigration equation, guess what? Net migration is instantly down a bunch, already getting closer to that figure that they want. So, why does May want to ensure that we now cut how many people come to the UK to study? Well, the only reason I can think of is that it reduces the amount of intelligent people who are going to be returning home to their countries blabbing on about how much of a fuck-up the UK Prime Minister is making of Brexit. MPs also voted against a motion protecting the right of EU nationals to live and work in the UK after we Brexit. 293 votes against 250 meant that the bill was rejected just to make Europeans currently living here feel really, really welcome. You know, that British hospitality we were talking about earlier. The Conservative Minister for Immigration said it was because the bill didn't also cover the rights of UK citizens in the EU, which is a reasonable excuse, but then why not just put forward an alternative bill that does, or an amendment? Or is it because, yet again, the bill to protect the right of EU nationals to live here was an SNP bill, and like the Turing bill, I'm pretty sure that outdated Westminster think that if they let the Scottish party push anything through, then where on earth will it escalate to? I mean, will they start turning up to Parliament wearing blue face paint and shouting about their freedom? And for people of Gibraltar, a smooth Brexit isn't much of a comfort for an island that voted 96% to remain, and now has Spain talking about Brexit being its best chance to take the country back. The Rock so-called because Spain and the UK are regularly grappling with each other about it, has an economy that is based on nearly half of its workforce having free movement between their Europe and the UK. Now, the islanders want to have British rule, 
because they clearly don't have to think about what British rule means when it's that far away and they've got the sunshine. But Spain are talking about joint rule to allow any free movement or they may even want to take it back entirely in exchange for decent trade deals for the City of London and the UK. So yeah, it seems like the rock is between itself and a very, very hard place. Oh, and the last thing that may not get a good deal from a smooth Brexit is the CETA, or the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement, which is a bit like Canada's version of the dreaded TTIP. I presume it's exactly the same in reducing workers' rights and allowing big businesses to shit all over everyone, but it's very polite while it does it and says sorry at the end. The European president and template for fuzzy face magnets, uh, Martin Schulz, is pushing to get CETA signed off as it would eliminate 98% of tariffs between the EU and Canada, while, you know, allowing corporations to sue countries and ruin everything at the same time. But the Wallonia region of Belgium is against it, and Belgium can't sign off on it until all their states do, and the EU can't sign off on it until all their countries do, so there is still a chance that CETA could just be CEA. And of course, Brexit might mean that the UK is completely exempt from CETA unless our government signs their own rights to bleating bill with Canada, which, you know, they definitely wouldn't do, right? I mean, based on their record, they wouldn't, right? Right? Meanwhile, back on our shores, Hilary Benn, a man who took rebelling against his own parents just a little bit too far as a teenager, has been made chair of a cross-party backbench Brexit committee. The committee is going to be shadowing the work, or more likely lack of work, of David Davis's department. No, not that David Davis, the one that hates refugees, the other one that hates European immigrants. Hilary Benn says that he'll use his new position to scrutinise the government and provide some certainty on their plans. Although, judging by his last spell in Parliament, he'll probably just try to bomb them and then get Jeremy Corbyn fired when it doesn't work. Oh, and Germany now called Brexit Der Brexit, and France call it Le Brexit, meaning that they've decided Brexit is masculine. Probably because it won't stop trying to fuck everything. Will it be Clinton or will it be Trump? One's all mean and one speaks from his rump. One's quite ruthless, one has no brain, but one of them's gonna win the presidential campaign. Oh yeah, it's the US presidential campaign. Just a quick bit on this before I end this week's show. Uh, it was a third and final presidential debate in a US election that's making the new episodes of Black Mirror seem like a hopeful outcome at best. Now, there's been a lot of coverage on how awful it was once again, with Trump saying things like Hillary's stance on pro-choice would mean that doctors could rip a baby out of the womb just a few days before the due date. Yes, Trump clearly doesn't understand what a caesarean is or how babies work, which is odd for someone who mimics so much of their behaviour. Hillary did play him at his own game by interrupting the Donald and, and slamming him on his use of Chinese steel for his hotels and calling him a puppet of Putin, which would explain so many of Trump's weird hand gestures. WikiLeaks have now revealed 26,803 emails from Hillary's campaign manager, John Podesta, which, while they don't show anything illegal, as Trump would suggest, or particularly damning, they do show the cold business mind of the Clinton campaign. But because she's up against Trump, Hillary still has a 12-point lead in the presidential polls because a cold business mind is still preferable to an overwarm, mostly melted mind that is oozing out of Trump's ears onto his gropey, gropey hands. So it looks like Hillary will win and America will be thrust back into its neoliberal bliss that it's been in since Reagan. But that isn't that worrying. Well, not as worrying as Donald Trump saying that he will only accept the results of the election if he wins. Which is the sort of statement that entirely undermines democracy and the vote and may cause a lot of people to react angrily and protest if it doesn't go his way. Which it won't. And a lot of those people that are angry idiots that will protest have guns. 
The only way I can think to stop this is to create a ton of other awards such as Biggest Bellend and Massivest Baby Man and so on, and announce Donald Trump as the winner, which would mean that he'd have to accept them. Okay, it wouldn't stop possible turmoil in the USA, but at least it would give everyone a bit of a laugh before we all have to watch The Purge for research. And that is the end of this week's mini episode of All Me and my horrible croaky croaky voice. I hope it's not been too uh, grating on your ears. Um, I'm now going to go away and drink even more lemp sips until I pass out. Um, don't forget to review this show on iTunes or I will play that shitty jingle again and possibly the previous shitty jingle at once. I might even merge the two just to upset you. Uh, and do drop me a line on at Bro on Twitter, Bro Group on Facebook or partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com about uh, any suggestions you have for these shows, things you like, things you hated, why a jar of honey is always sticky on the outside even before you've opened it, why wombats poops are cubed. I mean, anything like that. This show will be back next week with an interviewee, I promise. Uh, and until then, please keep spreading the word about the podcast and I'll hear you in a week. Uh, I mean, I won't hear you, you'll only hear me. It's one of the bits I like most about podcasting. I mean, I have no idea what you're doing while listening. It could be disgusting. This week's show is brought to you by the number 16, but it's very well aged, so it looks like a 24. And a letter from Gibraltar saying, please send help. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.